0: the WLCC Brandon
1: Faith Talk Tampa Online at Let's Download the Faith Talk Tampa app
0: following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries And is pre-recorded
1: There are young people who are frustrated With their parents And they've given up on their parents They're hostile They're exasperated Their attitude is, why bother? It's hopeless. They've given up. They've lost heart. They've written off their parents in disgust. Angry young people who have given up on trying to get along with their parents.
2: Situations like that are incredibly sad. What makes it especially sad is that it's so common. We probably all know more than one kid, usually a teenager, who feels that way about their parents. Maybe dad keeps hassling them about their hair or their clothes... Maybe mom knows her child is capable of straight A's, but the child only works hard enough for B's. Perhaps mom and dad just get tired and cranky from the pressures of life, and maybe they become inconsistent in their expectations. One day, leaving dirty clothes on the floor just isn't worth a discussion, but the next day, it's a major deal that has to be dealt with. Let's face it, our kids provide endless opportunity for criticism, and our fallen natures tend to turn those conflicts into anger and frustration. How easily we forget that our kids are just growing up and experiencing much of life for the first time, just like we did. They're bound to make mistakes. But if we know where to look, they're also bound to make us proud that's the situation in a lot of homes and today pastor steve is here to give us some practical and biblical tips on how to overcome and even prevent these situations while still maintaining discipline welcome to verse by verse a radio bible class taught by pastor teacher steve kreloff of lakeside community chapel in clearwater florida last class in our first part of this message on biblical parenting Pastor Steve dealt with the issue of who is responsible for raising our children. Today, in the middle part of our class, we'll hear some helpful answers to the question, what should we not do in raising our children? What are some things that we parents tend to do to exasperate our children? Here's Pastor Steve with today's lesson.
1: But even though there are a number of people on the Father's team, and this is what you want to catch, men and women, Even though there are a number of team members on that team, he must remain in control and be aware of what's happening in the lives of his children. When I say control, I'm not talking about domineering or dominating. He needs to be aware. He can't hand it all over to his wife and say, you do it all. And I think that's where many fathers are failing miserably, Christian fathers. They haven't a clue as to what's going on in their child's life. Mom knows everything. Mom does everything. Dad doesn't know what's going on or very little of what's going on. They've given everything over to their wives, and they don't know what's happening. They don't ask pertinent questions of their children or their wives. They don't spend much time with their children. They just assume it's the sole responsibility of uh, either their wife or the church. The church will do it. Sunday school will teach them. Well, that's not, that's not the case. And they just sort of uh, are absentee fathers. And sometimes moms have the attitude, and it's wrong, back off. Dad, this is my turf. I'm going to take care of everything. Well, that's not right either. It is dad's turf as well. And he is the one who will stand before God someday and give an account of how his children were raised. Absentee fathers, too busy at work. Making money to buy things for their kids, but not realizing that the priority in life in terms of training their children is to, is to make an, an imprint of Christ on the lives of his children. He may get them things, but he's not left them a very spiritually rich legacy. So who's responsible for raising children? Fathers are. They don't do it all, but they are to be aware of it. Men, you need to keep in touch with your, with your wife. If you have a, a, a job that uh, you're allowed to make some phone calls during the day, find out what's going on. When you get home at night, ask questions. Be aware. Know what's going on in Sunday school. Know what's going on in church. What are your children being taught? And I don't mean that you just go in there and blast the teacher. I mean, I mean understand that teachers in, in a Christian school uh, and, and the church, they are to be reinforcing what, you, what you're teaching. They don't exist in and of themselves. It is the father who's responsible. And you need to be aware of, of what's going on, not demanding, but aware of what's going on. And you need to take the leadership in this role and not just assume it's all happening. You need to ask your children questions. You need to find out who their friends are, what their are thinking is like. One of, the, uh, one of the important things you can do is, is just when you put your children, when your children go to sleep at night, uh, be there with them on occasion and just talk to them and hear them because those are unguarded moments when they're going to open up to you and you're going to find out a lot about them. But some fathers don't know what's going on their parent with, with their children. They don't know what they're doing in, in school. They don't know who their friends are. They don't know what they're doing, uh, their report card. They don't know what extra activities they're doing. They, they just don't have time for them. You need to make time because the scriptures say fathers do not and so forth. So Who's responsible for raising children? Yes, moms and dads, but fathers are the ones who God says you are being held accountable. You are the head of the home, and it's your responsibility to make sure that it's done. Now, before telling fathers what to do, Paul tells them what not to do, and this is the second question we want to look at. The first question is, who's responsible for raising children? The answer is fathers. The second question is, What should we not do in raising children? Here's a negative. What should we not do? What should we avoid? Well, let's look at verse 4 a little closer. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke your children to anger. It's vitally important that you understand this verse. If you misunderstand this verse, you will likely interpret it to mean that you should never do anything that would upset or annoy or make your child angry. That's not what this means. That's not the point. There are times, let me tell you, there are times your children are going to be angry with you. There are times they're going to be very angry with you. I don't expect with my children or any child that when you spank them and discipline them, they're going to be happy and say, thank you. I needed this. I appreciate it. And I love you all the more for it. And uh, that really would be weird. That'd be abnormal. You'd look very oddly at a child like that. And and that's biblical because Hebrews chapter 12 says no discipline when you're going through it. No discipline at the time is joyous. It's tough. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But when you're going through a a difficult time, uh, it's not fun. So uh, children are going to get angry and they're going to get upset. Because you don't let them get away with with what they want to do, you don't let them get their own way. if you do that, you will raise a spoiled brat. you just raise a spoiled brat, so don't back off because so they get angry at you and don't think that this is what this is what this verse is is saying don't provoke your children to anger, so I' better not tell them anything that might upset them. Go ahead and upset them by doing what 's right, otherwise you 're going to have a spoiled brat who's insistent on always getting getting their way or they might have a little temper tantrum isolated incidents of anger are not the issue in ephesians 6 4 but rather paul is talking about an angry lifestyle in the greek language it's very clear uh, that that the usage of this word is an ongoing way of life it's not isolated it's not just an outburst of anger it's an ongoing way of life. In other words, we are not to incite our children so that they turn out to be angry young men and women, angry against God, angry against us, angry against the church, angry against authority. We are not to do that. We are not to provoke them so that they, they, they become angry in a settled kind of conviction. Now, there is another verse that that is helpful on this, Colossians, if you look over to so the book of Colossians chapter 3, just two, two books over. It, it's, um, it's a parallel verse, but it gives us some more insight. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 and then 21. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. In other words while children are to obey their parents that's what he says children you're to obey your parents father the father is to make sure that he does not take advantage of disobedience and exasperate his child by making unreasonable demands that's a that's a real real uh, careful warning we ought to heed that'll lead to losing heart and that's what he means in other words i hope you i hope you understand this. there are some fathers who feel like because they have the right to, to tell their child to do something that whenever they want, they just snap their fingers. And the child has to do whatever they say. And the Bible says that you are in danger if you presume upon your responsibility of being in uh, the authority that you could cause your children to lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? It means to take the wind out of their sails, to terribly discourage them. A discouraged kid who thinks, no matter what I do, it's always wrong. There's nothing I can do that would please dad. That's what it means to lose heart. That's what it means to, to take the wind out of his sails. And whether you realize it or not, angry, exasperated children are descriptive terms for today's youth. It is the prevailing attitude behind rebellion. There are young people who are frustrated with their parents, and they've given up on their parents. They're hostile, They're exasperated. Their attitude is, why bother? It's hopeless. They've given up. They've lost heart. They've written off their parents in disgust. Angry young people who have given up on trying to get along with their parents. Now, does that mean, and I want want to be careful about this, that you don't hear me saying every time you find the rebellious child, it's his parents' fault. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying, though, is that is that parents ought to be careful that they are not part of the problem, that they have not done anything to exasperate their child. If a child on his own chooses to be rebellious and angry, uh, and, and that that's his responsibility. He's answerable to God for that. So I'm not saying every time you find a rebellious child, it's always the parent's fault. No, a child has to respond properly to what God is doing in his life. But we better be careful that we are not guilty of provoking our children to an exasperation in which they are angry and they are frustrated and they are hostile because of us. So what I want to do, and make, I want to make this very practical, I want to give you nine things to avoid, nine ways that would provoke a child to wrath. Nine ways you can exasperate your child, and what you ought to do is write this down, and this is certainly not exhaustive, but you ought to write this down and avoid it. These are these are things you ought to avoid. Okay, so we're going to be very practical here.
2: We'll be right back with those nine practical things to avoid in just a minute. We'd like to welcome you if you just tuned in. We're glad to have you with us today. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside since 1981. Pastor Steve is giving a series of messages about the biblical family. We've had some great teaching in the areas of husband-wife responsibilities, money matters, and other topics. Today, we're in the middle of the first part of a two-part message on raising our children. The Bible provides us with a wealth of instruction, and Pastor Steve has been bringing them to light for us, as well as offering practical applications. Here's Pastor Steve now with the first of nine very practical tips on things that we can do to avoid provoking our children to habitual anger and resentment.
1: Number one, lack of consistent discipline exasperates a child. Lack of consistent discipline exasperates a child. Child needs to know where he stands. But if the rules keep changing, he doesn't know where he stands, and he's very frustrated. If one day mom and dad enforce this rule, and the next day they don't enforce that rule, then basically he throws up his hands and he says, what am I supposed to do? I, I don't know what's the, what's the use of trying to keep the rules. You never know what they are, because they change all the time. They change all the time. This is like, if you ever seen, if you've ever watched the baseball game, you will see a frustrated pitcher at times talking to the umpire. That's not a good thing to do. You get thrown out of games like that. But you'll see, and, I, and I've been told this by, by a, a professional pitcher, that the most frustrating thing, this is why they talk to the umpire, because he moves his strike zone around. On one pitch, he gives them a strike, this very same spot, the next time he calls it a ball. Well, that's very frustrating because the pitcher doesn't know where to throw. Now, he doesn't get frustrated if the umpire is consistent. He may think that the umpire is a very wide strike zone or a very, very uh, narrow strike zone, but he can live with that. What he can't live with is, don't change the strike zone on me because I don't know what to do with it. And that's where you'll, you'll see some conflicts between umpires and, and ballplayers. Well, that's true with a child. If you change the strike zone on a child and you change the rules, he doesn't know what to do. He's frustrated. He's very frustrated. And when they don't know what to do and expect of them, they'll become exasperated. You see, God doesn't do that with us, does he? God tells you in his word what he expects. But imagine if God didn't tell you. Imagine if God changed the rules on you, but he forgot to tell you that the rules were being changed. You'd be very frustrated. In the book of Proverbs, the the father is telling his son what he expects, how to live. There's no guesswork there. He doesn't change the guidelines. Why are parents inconsistent? Well, sometimes it's just plain laziness. Uh, It's hard being consistent. Sometimes just plain laziness. But I thought Jay Adams, once again, I'm going to quote from him, I thought he had tremendous insight in how it can very easily happen. Listen closely. Today, little Mary, he writes, comes home with a pretty flower that she picked from mommy down by the stream. She comes running in across the kitchen floor, which has just been waxed, not looking at the floor, but at mommy's face, which she hopes will light up in a burst of joy and gladness. But mommy doesn't see the flower. She can only see the mud, which by now is all over the kitchen floor. Mary is verbally torn apart limb by limb. What is her reaction? I try to be nice to mommy and I was practically murdered for it. Mom rethinks her actions that night. I nearly kicked her across the room. She didn't deserve that. Mom could, be, could have re- recouped by admitting her wrong to Mary and straightening things out. But she did not. And this led to adverse uh, results. Tomorrow, Mary may do something really serious. She may lie, give rebellious backtalk to her mother or whatever. But because she overpunished Mary yesterday, today, Mom may, lay, may let her get away with it. It is precisely that sort of inconsistent discipline with which our children are being raised and about which they begin to think, what's the use? They begin to put two and two together and find that that they make ten. They think today you get murdered for doing nothing, but tomorrow you get away with murder. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what the limits are. You never know what the penalties might be. What's the use? You might as well do what you want to anyway. So they give up on mom or dad, and they become exasperated over changing limits. I read that because I think that, that is prevalent in a lot of families, that there is an overcompensation because you, you did not deal with it as you should. Therefore, tomorrow you'll overdeal with it or underdeal with it. The thing to do is mom should have said to Mary, please forgive me. I was wrong. I should have never done that. And here are the guidelines. So lack of consistent discipline exasperates a child. Have guidelines. Let your children know what the guidelines are. If you change it, tell them. Tell them before they break it or before they they obey it. Number two, second way to exasperate your child. Never allow your child to fail and you will exasperate him or her. He learns that no matter what he does, he cannot please mom and dad. And he will eventually stop trying to please you. Because he can't do it. No matter what he does, it's never enough. We call this perfectionism. We call this perfectionism. It's never enough. If they get a B plus on their paper, why didn't they get an A? If they get an A minus, they should have got an A plus. Perfectionism drives a child away because... He is taught by his parents' attitude that they won't accept him if he makes a mistake. And he knows he's going to make a mistake, so he's very frustrated. You see, the home is to be a place where a child ought to be himself. You know what? The home ought to be a place where a child can be goofy, just goofy, and say ridiculous things and act like a little kid and not feel like mom and dad are going to mock him and come down on him or be threatened or be made fun of. He gets enough of that at school. He gets enough of that, unfortunately, in the church with, with youth group and around his peers. He ought never to get that at home. He ought to be able to make mistakes. He ought to be able to fail. He ought to be able to just be, even if he's older, a little kid and not have mom and dad come down on him, not put unrealistic expectations on him. First Peter 4.8 says that love covers a multitude of sins. His parents ought to convey unconditional love. We love you regardless of what you do or what you don't do. Because he gets enough of uh, of conditional love outside of the home. Third way we exasperate our children, by not allowing harmless mistakes. I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking about harmless mistakes. That exasperates a child if you don't allow him to make those harmless mistakes. You know, some parents see everything in life as major. Everything is a federal case. There's nothing they let go by. It's all major. It's all big. It's all sinful. That's not true. Parents, not everything is as big as we always think it is. And not everything is critical. There is a difference between violating scripture and violating house rules. House rules are not scripture. You can be flexible on house rules. You can make adjustments on house rules. You can even compromise house rules and not having to feel guilty about it. You don't compromise scripture. A generation ago, and let me illustrate this, and you may not like this illustration, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Who could get mad at a man with a heart that's fluttering, right? Who could possibly get mad? A lot of people could. I want you to know that a lot of people a generation ago, Christian parents had major arguments with their sons over hair length. Over hair length. That was the big thing, over hair length. And that became such an important issue that it obscured other issues. The other issues didn't even seem that important anymore. They were, in fact, they were all put on the same level. Let's put it that way. Like lying and morality and things like that. It became so major, this hair length that when the real critical issues came up, child couldn't tell the difference, because everything was major. Mom and dad had a fit over hair length. And you know, hair length, clothes, jewelry, these aren't that critical. These really aren't that critical. Some of these things are are really cultural, let me tell you. And uh, some things children just have to learn on their own. I'm convinced that clothing, hairstyles, jewelry are often major issues. You know why? And I know you're not going to like this. Because of parents' pride, sinful pride, because what will our friends think if our son has an earring? Ah, there I said it. What would they think? Now, I'm not encouraging that, not endorsing that, I'm not even taking a side on that, on that issue. But I am saying that you need to be careful of your motives. Sometimes parents think, what will our friends think if our child looks like that? They might think we're doing a bad job. And so they make a federal case over this. And you know what? It really isn't that critical. You may think I'm being heretical on this, but it really isn't that critical. It's more of a cultural thing. We can be flexible on those issues. We cannot be flexible on Scripture, lying, morality deceitfulness those are the things you ought to be dealing with internal attitudes not the externals they'll take care of themselves
2: i wish we had time today for the other six things on pastor steve's list but we'll have to save those for our next class his last comment really has a lot of truth in it it reminds me of when jesus was asked what he thought was the greatest commandment he said it was twofold to love the lord your god with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself Jesus explained that all the other commandments hang on those two. And if you focus on fulfilling those two, the others will follow naturally. I think the same concept applies here. Say, if you'd like to order a CD of Pastor Steve's message, Biblical Parenting Part 1, please call 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Don't forget that you can listen to today's class again at our website, www.versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. This program is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.